Well, happy 4th of July. We are so, thank you. We are so glad that you have joined us here in person uh, and always uh, joining us online. And on this uh, 4th of July weekend, uh, I just have to say, and I think you would agree with me, we live in a great country, don't we? We live in a great country. It's not perfect. No country has ever been perfect. But on July the 4th, 1776, 13 colonies represented by 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence put out these now famous words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Over the years, I've had the privilege of traveling to many uh, parts of the world. I've spoken to uh, pastors who have spent time in prison for doing what we do today. I spoke to a small group on the 16th floor of an apartment building. And you know when we started church? When the neighbors went out and took a walk so we wouldn't be uh, turned into the police. I've traveled in Muslim countries where we publicly had to watch what we said uh, in, uh, among other people, and as secretly as possible, we had to move into our worship time all behind closed doors and shuttered windows. So quite honestly, I don't think it's that big of a deal to wear a mask for 50 minutes during a worship service. I think our persecuted friends around the world would have a little patience with our complaints. This weekend, it's interesting, we don't celebrate winning a war. I, I hadn't thought about this until this week. In the United States, we don't celebrate winning a war. We celebrate an ideal. The war wasn't won until September the 3rd, 1783, seven years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But we celebrate an ideal that all men were created equal, blessed by God with these natural and, and, and legal rights that can't be denied or taken away, shouldn't be denied or taken away. Now, while we thank God for our freedoms, and we do, we also always want to remember as believers that we don't worship our country and we don't worship a flag. And as much as we appreciate all the service that has gone before us and the sacrifices, we know we are citizens of where? Heaven itself. And so we hold or should hold things here loosely. This week I received an email. Let me read it to you uh, from um, Kathy's story. Kathy's gone through some health issues. Listen to what she says. She says, Gary and I took our oldest grand grandchild and only granddaughter to, our lake to a lake house this month. She takes after me with her love of water, and we've been talking a lot about God's love and how he died for us on the cross. One evening, the two of us had our noodles swimming in the lake, and we started talking about Jesus' love. And I had the privilege to lead her to the Lord that night, May 27, 2020. We talked so late. All of a sudden, we realized it was very dark. What a beautiful time it was. And listen to what she says. With my health issues now, I realize that I need to be bold for the Lord. Life is fleeting. The world is becoming dimmer to me. 
I'm beginning to lose that tight grip on this world and clinging to God's hand. It's a beautiful time, actually. I realize that if I have the Lord, I have it all. I need to tell my grandchildren about the Lord. Isn't that cool? A loose grip on the world and a tight grip on clinging to God's hand. Let's pray because we want to focus on that today. Father, thank you for our time together. And thank you for this reminder from Kathy that we all need to keep a loose grip on the stuff of the world that rusts and rots and decays and take tight grip on you and things that are truly eternal. So be with us, Lord, as we think about that today. In Christ's name, amen. The question I, I want us to think about is this. How do we do that? How do we, how do we keep a loose grip on the things that are temporal and a tight grip on things that are eternal? So take your Bibles, if you're here in person or online, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. That's going to be our primary passage as we work our way through, uh, beginning in verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. Just a reminder, I'll set the context. Peter is in Rome. It's around 65, 64, 65 AD. Persecution is raging through the city of Rome. And Peter writes this letter to Christians who are scattered through five Roman provinces, today northern, found in northern Turkey. And he writes them to warn that the persecution is going crazy in Rome and is headed their way. So he, write, he, he tells them persecution is coming, but he doesn't tell them, go run and hide. He tells them to stand firm. And throughout his letter, Peter basically tells them who you are in Christ. This is a letter of spiritual identity. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've been called out of darkness into God's wonderful light, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. You have an inheritance. You guys have an inheritance. Whatever happens, you have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. It's waiting for you. And then in chapter 4, verse 7, uh, Peter says kind of abruptly, he just makes the statement, the end of all things is at hand. Now, Peter is talking here about the second coming of Christ. He's going to address that uh, in more detail in 2 Peter chapter 3. But he simply says here, Jesus is coming back soon. I have people ask me, you know, don't, don't you believe we're living in the last days with wars and floods and COVID and unrest and no major league baseball season? I mean, you, that, that's, a, that's a killer right there, right? It has to be the last days. And I would say absolutely we are, for sure. If Peter, writing in the first century, says it's the last days, and we're in the 21st century, then the end is nearer than it was when Peter wrote these words, right? Doesn't take a genius to do the math on that. But Peter also gives this reminder. Don't forget, he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 and 9, don't forget, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like what? A thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow to keep his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If we really believe these are the last days, we should be beating the bushes telling people about Jesus. 
if we really believe these are the last days, we got to have a loose grip on this temporal stuff. Tight grip on what's eternal. That's the, um, that's the theme, I believe, of this passage that we're going to look at. Every anchored believer should live with a loose grip and a firm grip. Every anchored believer needs to have a loose grip on the temporal stuff, and we know what temporal stuff is, and a firm grip, a tight grip on eternal stuff. That's living with an eternal perspective, and that's what Peter wants the readers to start thinking about here. And the question is, how do you do that? That's just a little vague, isn't it? Loose grip, firm grip, a little vague. And so Peter says, I got five things that you need to do if you're going to live with an eternal perspective. Here are five things you need to understand and five things you need to wrap your life around if you're going to live with an eternal perspective. Here are the five things. Number one, characteristics of a loose grip, firm grip believer is priority of what? Prayer. Look at verse seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because of that, because the end of is near, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. So Peter says, living with expectancy, loose grip, firm grip, live with expectancy. We are to live with a self-controlled, sober-minded, disciplined and focused, that means, prayer life. Prayer is conversation with God, just talking to God. Forget the Christianese stuff. Just talk to God. Tell him what's on your heart. Read through the Psalms. Look how the psalmist, read how the psalmist speak with God. Get a journal. Start writing down your prayers. Run while you pray. Walk while you pray. Go on a drive and pray. It doesn't matter. Just have a conversation with God. And here's what we know. When we pray and when we're serious about praying, it loosens our grip on things that don't matter. So Wayne Grudem is a theologian, and he's one of the scholars that put the uh, English Standard Version, ESV Bible, together. And there were about 12 scholars. He was one of them who went to Cambridge, England, after all their work, and they decided they, their, their job was to put out the finishing touches on the ESV translation. And Grudem says they were there, they were, working, uh, uh, they were working long days, like tedious job going through all the passages of Scripture. Uh, then, they would, then they would discuss a bunch of things at night. And Grudem says he found himself getting up later and later and missing his time of prayer. But what was the big deal to that? He was in Scripture all day long, right? What did it matter if he missed his time of prayer? He's in Scripture all day long. Well, Grudem wrote in his journal that because he was missing his prayer, he started experiencing what he, what he called a spiritual sickness. Here are some of the classic signs. Listen to what Grudem said. He said, pride, talking a lot about myself, inwardly hoping people would praise me, lack of love for my friends, irritability, general feeling of unease, self-reliance, no peace. So Grudem says he had to catch himself and make sure he spent time in prayer. A time during the morning or a time during the day and then let that filter out and cascade down through all the hours of your day. Maybe if you're dealing with some of those things, pride, 
or like talking about yourself a lot or inwardly hoping people will praise you or a lack of love for your friends or irritability or a general inward feeling of unease or self-reliance or peace. Maybe, maybe that's just a result of an anemic prayer life. So the first thing Peter says here, if you're going to be a loose grip, firm grip believer, you've got to spend time in prayer. Number two, Peter says, active love. Not just talking about it, doing it. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers what? A multitude of the trump card is love. The word here is the word agape. Uh, it is an active love. It's one of the highest Christian virtues. That's what Paul says. There remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, agape. And notice that Paul says this is love in action, and notice how he describes it, love earnestly. That's a great Greek word. That Greek word means to stretch or strain. It is used to describe a runner who runs and runs and runs, runs hard to win a race, and muscles are tight and taut and strained after running the race. How many of you have run the Pittsburgh Marathon? Okay, great. How many of you have run a marathon? How, great. How many of you have run? There we go. How many of you have just gotten out of a chair, right? Whatever you've done. Yeah, that's the rest of us. Whatever you've done, Paul says, when you strain your muscles, you know what it's like to strain your muscles. You work out in the yard, whatever, you strain your muscles. Paul says, that's, that's how you should love. You should love in a way that kind of wears you out. You should love in a way that strains your heart. You should love in a way, as Paul would describe, in a patient way, in a generous way, in a way that's not arrogant or rude or irritable or resentful, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. And that takes spiritual discipline. So loose grip, firm grip, believer, loose grip on eternal things, firm grip on things of the Lord, we're living with active love. We're demonstrating that love in our life and the life of others. Number three, invest in others. Look at verse nine. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> I love the way Peter adds to that. Show hospitality and don't mumble about it. Don't grumble about it. Does anyone uh, know what the word xenophobia means, right? Fear of stranger, right? And the word used here, hospitality, kind of flips it around. It's philoxeno, which means love of strangers. Hospitality is love of strangers. How many of you heard of uh, John Quincy Adams? Anyone heard of him? Without Googling, without Googling, uh, what president was he? Anyone know? Exactly, the sixth president of the United States. With no Google, that is very impressive. The sixth president of the United States. He, was, um, he got up every morning between 5 and 6 a.m. He went on a four-mile walk, went back, he started a fire, and then he read the Bible. John Quincy Adams says, you don't just read the Bible every now and then and put it down. You should read through the Bible every every day, every year you should read through the Bible. That's what he did during his life. Quincy Adams said this, the Bible carries with it the history of creation, the fall, the redemption of man, and discloses to him 
in an infant born in Bethlehem, the legislator and the savior of the world. Adams was also named the hell hound of slavery. He fought against slavery in the 1840s. In 1841, he defended 53 Africans accused of mutiny aboard the slave ship Amistad. If you've seen that movie, you saw him do that. And he argued their case before the Supreme Court. And listen to what he said. He said to the Supreme Court of the day, the moment you come to the Declaration of Independence, that every man has a right to life and liberty and an alienable right, an alienable right, this case is decided. I ask you nothing more in behalf of these unfortunate men than this declaration. Based in Scripture, right? Every person is created equal before God. Adams demonstrated hospitality. He argued for people he didn't know. And it cost him a lot of political capital to do that. But he was willing to speak out for those he didn't know. That's hospitality. It's not just having people over to your house and putting out a nice meal. Hospitality is love of strangers. To use the gift that God has given you, to use the vocation God has given you, to love those who may need some help along the way, like these 53 slaves on the ship Amistad. We need to be those, don't we, who love strangers, who fight for injustice, abortion. Knowing only Jesus can transform a heart and sharing the gospel with, with all those around us. Back to what Kathy said. The time's fleeting. I want to make sure I get the word to another generation of who Jesus is. Characteristics of a loose grip, firm grip believer, priority of prayer, active love, investment in others. Number four, use your spiritual gifts. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, <clears throat> use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Peter says every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and we should use it to serve others and demonstrate God's grace. So I got to ask you, are you using, what is your spiritual gift? You should know that if you're a believer. We have tools for you to get that. And are you using your spiritual gift? It's a command of Scripture. What are you doing with your spiritual gift? But let's take it a little farther. Not just the spiritual gift that we have, the one or many, whatever it is in your case, but everything God's given us. Because we are blessed. Sure, we're going through tough times, but we're blessed. Go around the world. People are literally dying to come here and have the freedoms that we have. And we have this opportunity. We have all these gifts. What are we doing with them? What are we, what are we doing with our material gifts? Abraham Lincoln, in March, on March the 30th, 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War, called for a day of prayer and fasting. And listen to what he said in his proclamation. 
We have become recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But what? 1863, Lincoln said, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly, vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our heart that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-reliant to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. Convicting, isn't it? We have all these gifts. We have all these things. And quite honestly, what do most people do? Buy another house. Buy another car. Get that tight grip on temporal stuff. Instead of loosening that up and getting grip on things that count forever, we somehow get intoxicated with our ourselves thinking that we did this we made all this happen and Lincoln reminds us we've come to become too proud for God what a great reminder that we need to use everything God has given us for his honor for his glory last one characteristics of a loose grip firm grip believer priority of prayer active love, invest in others. You can use this to gauge your own life, get a little checklist, use your spiritual gift, and then God focus. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks, speak as one who is speaking the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him, Belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Speak on behalf of God. Serve in the strength of God. And make sure you're doing everything to bring honor and glory to God. Service always takes sacrifice. There were many who sacrificed so we could be here today, many gave their lives so we could be here today. And many believers have given their lives for the sake of the cross. And so we sit here kind of irritated that we're wearing masks or maybe not coming because we need to. And it's time for us to be those who say, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do what God's called me to do in my, with what I can control in my world by his strength. I'm going to share the gospel with those around me. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. And I'm going to serve. I'm going to do, make the sacrifices to serve and do what God's asking me to do with everything he's given me, with my resources, with my time, with the gifts that he's given me. Otherwise, we just keep a firm grip on the stuff today, Right? and a loose grip on eternal things rather than letting this go a little bit or a lot so we can take a firm grip 
on things that we're going to take with us to eternity. You see, when Kathy's story leads her granddaughter to Christ, that's eternal stuff. When you share the message of salvation with some other person, that's eternal stuff. That's a firm grip on eternity. All right, we're going to end online, campuses in Washington and Robinson and Wilkinsburg and Ross Traver and DeBerry. We're going to end by one challenge, just one application. You guys ready for this? We all in? Just one application. There are many, and you can figure that out in your own life. Go down that checklist. How are you doing in each of those things? You, you're, you're adults. You can figure that out. But we have one church-wide application. We have an opportunity this summer to take, a, just like Kathy did in her lake with her granddaughter, we have the opportunity to take the message of Jesus Christ to kids throughout the Pittsburgh area. It's pretty exciting stuff, guys. We have the opportunity to take the message of Jesus throughout kids, to kids throughout the Pittsburgh area. So here's the deal. Neighborhood Vacation Bible School. We've never done this before. So we get to do this. And you're going to say, well, I don't have kids and, I, and I'm not signed up. Don't do that. Just hang on. We've got plenty for you to do. Number one, we need, this is going to be August 3rd through the 7th, going to be in neighborhoods around the city. We need 55 volunteers, adults and teens. 55 volunteers. By the end of this weekend, we want that to be settled. We've got all the volunteers we need by the end of this weekend, all right? 55 volunteers. If you're not going to sign up, then pray for it. We need 350 supplies and snacks. You can do that. You can do that on your computer. We have an Amazon wish list. We need you to register your kids if you haven't yet. Well, but I don't know what COVID's going to be. And you see, I don't know. what None of us do, right? We're, we're walking through this thing not knowing what it's going to look like on August 3rd through the 7th. And we're not going to do anything to put anybody in jeopardy. You're wearing masks, aren't you? So we're going to be good with our kids. But sign them up. Get them in there. A tremendous opportunity for kids to come to know Christ. So we need volunteers, right? Got that? 350 uh, Amazon, uh, snacks and, and supplies and then register your children. And all you, all you have to do is go to biblechapel.org slash VBS biblechapel.org slash VBS. All the if you have a question at your campus, just ask one of the campus pastors and we'll be able to get this done. All right? So jot it down, put it in your memory. I know when you leave here, you're going to go have a hot dog or something else and you're going to forget, but let's make sure as a church, so we're going to invest our time. We want to be those who keep a tight grip on things that matter and a loose grip on things that don't. This is one of the things that matter, Right? Nod, nod your heads if you agree with me. Send up those little hearts on the, online if you agree. I'd love seeing those things go up. Um, this is a tight grip on things that really matter. All right? 55 volunteers, 350 snacks and supplies. Register your child. Uh, next week, we will uh, let you know where we stand on those needs. Deal? Father, we thank you that you're a God who allows us to talk to you, loves us with an everlasting love,
You're a God who allows us to take this message of eternity to those around us. You're a God who allows us to bring glory to you in our life. What a privilege. What a privilege, Lord. Let us not, let us not hoard our gifts, but let us be those who keep a loose grip on the fleeting things of this life and a a firm grip on things that matter for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name.